gold standard. Welcome to the Dr. Hedberg Show for cutting-edge practical health information. For the latest articles, videos, and podcasts, visit drhedberg.com. That's D-R-H-E-D-B-E-R-G.com. The information in this show is intended for educational purposes only. Always consult your healthcare professional before attempting anything recommended in this program. And now, here's Dr. Hedberg. Well, welcome everyone to Functional Medicine Research. This is Dr. Nicholas Hedberg. And today I'm going to be talking about the TSH, and that's the thyroid stimulating hormone. And that's a hormone produced by the pituitary gland, which tells the thyroid to make uh, thyroid hormone. So the TSH test is currently the gold standard for diagnosis of hypothyroidism. And the current TSH levels are questioned to be too broad. Uh, The upper limit, the upper cutoff is thought by many to be too high. And there's a few papers out there that actually look at this. And I want to go over a fairly recent paper. I think this was published in 2016 out of China. And the title is Using Hashimoto's Thyroiditis as Gold Standard to Determine the Upper Limit Value of Thyroid-Stimulating Hormone in a Chinese Cohort. So this does actually shed some light on what optimal TSH levels are. Now, if you're a patient with hypothyroidism or Hashimoto's disease, you may have been told by your doctor that there's nothing wrong with your thyroid Uh, because your TSH levels look normal, and you may have fallen into that upper limit up around in the threes and uh, the lower fours. So that upper limit now is somewhere around anywhere from 4.0 to 4.5, depending on what lab you're looking at. And many people are in that range, uh, but they still have issues or they have potential issues. This is where doctors are telling patients that it's all in their head or that they need to see a psychiatrist and things like that and not really listening to the patient and how they're feeling. So the authors begin, they just talk about subclinical hypothyroidism, and that's characterized by so-called normal T4, T3, free T4, and free T3 levels but the patient has an elevated TSH. So the thyroid appears to be putting out appropriate amounts of T4 and T3, but the TSH is high, and there's many things that can do that. And But those patients with subclinical hypothyroidism, they've actually been shown to have an increased risk of cholesterol problems, heart disease, mental illness, and even pregnancy complications even though their symptoms are relatively mild. So those people do need to be looked at more closely. Now, the current upper limit for normal, and the authors talk about this, is a TSH of 4.0 to 5.0. But there are some authors, they've stated that it should be 2.5 to 3.0. And I link to a study where the study authors do that do say that that upper limit should be 2.5 to 3 now the national academy of clinical biochemists their guidelines going all the way back to 2003 
have clearly stated that 95% of normal individuals have a TSH below 2.5. And so that's the upper limit that's usually used by integrative and functional medicine practitioners. So there's a big gap there between 2.5 and about 4 to 5, and a lot of people fall in that range. So this study was... It was good because of the size. There was a hefty study group of 2,856 individuals, aged 20 to 60, and they did a lot of blood tests. They did TSH, free T4, free T3, the thyroid antibodies. They did the peroxidase and the thyroglobulin antibodies, total cholesterol, triglycerides, LDL cholesterol. They did a fasting glucose a uric acid, one of the liver enzymes, ALT, creatinine, and then a marker called carbon dioxide combining power. So participants in the study were diagnosed with Hashimoto's disease based on the presence of thyroid antibodies and abnormalities on a thyroid ultrasound. And then they excluded people who were, were taking thyroid medication, uh, were pregnant, uh, any history of thyroid operations, or a history of any type of autoimmune disease. So the average age was about 36, and 75% of them were women, and 25% of them were men. So the results, here's the results of the study. So of the... 2,856 people, 7% of them were diagnosed with Hashimoto's disease, and it was 14 men and 173 women. And so that syncs with what we previously have known about Hashimoto's, that it it's more prevalent in women. Now, they found that those who had Hashimoto's disease, they didn't show any differences in their age their body weight, their body mass index, their blood pressure, liver tests, blood sugar, cholesterol, no differences. But the creatinine and the uric acid levels were lower in the Hashimoto's group. But they point out that that's just because of the higher prevalence of women in the group. And women tend to have lower uh, creatinine and uric acid levels than men. So the proportion of participants with Hashimoto's disease was 4% when the TSH was below 2.6 compared to 14% when the TSH was above 2.6. And so they grouped the participants into three categories of 2.6, 2.9, and 4.5 as a TSH cutoff value. And they found some, some pretty intriguing results. So the TSH values of 2.6 and 2.9, they were able to detect more people with abnormal triglycerides and LDL cholesterol. And the authors did find that a TSH value of 4.2 to be the upper limit of normal in their analysis. So they did find that currently agreed upon upper limit of TSH. However, when they did uh, an alternate analysis, which they called 
a prevalence of Hashimoto's thyroiditis factor. They found a range of 2.6 to 2.9 to be more appropriate. And so they do actually state that this correlates with the National Academy of Clinical Biochemists findings of a 2.5 upper limit for TSH. So the authors, they reference a number of studies linking TSH levels in the upper limit to high blood pressure, high cholesterol, and a higher Framingham score. And a Framingham score, this was from the Framingham study, is basically a score used to identify risk factors for a cardiovascular event. So heart attack, stroke, cardiovascular disease. I do link to all of those studies in the article on drhedberg.com. There are four of them. So the author conclusion is this. This study shows a high prevalence of Hashimoto's thyroiditis occurred among individuals with a TSH of 2.6 to 2.9. These values are possible to be the true values of normal upper limit of TSH for the Chinese population. So a couple of things just to say about this. So we've known, obviously, for a long time, all the flaws in the TSH test leaves many patients misdiagnosed as normal uh, despite their symptoms of hypothyroidism. So that's the first thing. This study, it does illustrate that individuals with a TSH above 2.5 should be screened for Hashimoto's disease as well as cardiovascular risk markers. So if your TSH is above 2.5, it's a good idea to have your thyroid peroxidase and thyroglobulin antibodies tested and also have your uh, cholesterol levels checked with a lipid panel. And then I would also recommend a a C-reactive protein, a highly sensitive C-reactive protein. It's also known as a cardiac C-reactive protein. This is a specific marker for inflammation. It's very sensitive and there's direct connections with the highly sensitive C-reactive protein, and a cardiovascular event. I'd like to take a quick moment to make you aware of some important resources that are available to you. The first is to make you aware that I not only see patients in my practice in Asheville, North Carolina, but I also have a virtual practice where I consult with patients worldwide through telehealth. So it doesn't matter where you live in the world, we could consult through our telehealth software. The second resource is the resources page on my website where I list all of the supplements and products I use both personally and in my practice. This can be found at drhedberg.com forward slash resources. And the third resource is for healthcare practitioners who want to learn functional medicine or improve their functional medicine skills. I offer online functional medicine courses at the Hedberg Institute which is my online functional medicine education platform. You can see all the courses I offer at hedberginstitute.com and sign up to watch a sample course video at no charge. That's hedberginstitute.com. And now back to the show. So we've also known that, and there's studies on this as well, that hypothyroidism leads to abnormal cholesterol levels. 
So the lower your thyroid function, the more hypothyroid you are, potentially the higher your cholesterol levels. And this is why people with hyperthyroidism, like who have Graves' disease, their cholesterol levels get really low. So a lot of people out there, they may fall into this range of uh, normal uh, from the laboratory tests, um, just in that lower four level and through the threes, and they have high cholesterol, and it's actually because of their thyroid, but they're put on statin medications to lower their cholesterol when the issue is really their thyroid. So, and the issue, the other interesting thing about that is that statin medications will deplete the body of coenzyme Q10. And there are studies, and I'll be covering this in the near future, showing that CoQ10 is very important for thyroid function. And so the statin depletes CoQ10, and that has a negative effect on thyroid function. So, you know, doctors who are utilizing these, these broad TSH ranges, they could be missing patients with early signs of hypothyroidism, Hashimoto's disease, and lipid abnormalities. Now, I do want to point out there's two sides to this coin because I don't want to hammer conventional medicine. Functional medicine is usually just as bad in their own way. And this has to do with overanalyzing TSH levels and trying to force the patient's TSH level into a very low number. I've seen some practitioners say it must be between 0.5 and 1, or it must be below 1.5, and other you know dogmatic claims like that. And there's absolutely no science or evidence to support that, that TSH levels need to be driven into the lower end of the normal range. So a lot of patients end up getting put on thyroid hormone uh, unnecessarily, or they're put on T3 or a combination of T4 and T3, which can create a whole host of issues if you're taking thyroid hormone and you don't really need it. The first of all being bone loss. So if you take thyroid hormone, too much T4 and T3, and you don't need it, that's been shown to cause bone loss. It'll lead to osteopenia and osteoporosis. It can also lead to uh, increased growth of the heart. So it's called um, hypertrophy of the heart muscle because it is a muscle. And thyroid hormone can increase the heart rate and uh, cause that kind of issue with the heart muscle. And then there's also some some decent evidence, some of it on animals and a few on humans, that the higher your T3 levels, the shorter your lifespan. And so a lot of these, it's interesting because a lot of these doctors are marketing themselves as anti-aging doctors, and they put almost everyone they see on thyroid hormone. And I think they haven't looked at these studies that show higher T3 levels leads to a shortened lifespan. It's like a look at it like a turbo engine in a car. They just don't tend to last as long as normal engines. And thyroid hormone is like jet fuel 
to the cells. And if you drive metabolism for a very long period of time at a very high level, uh, the theory is those cells burn out and then that decreases uh, lifespan. So, and there's also some evidence around TSH um, and, and T4 and T3 levels. You know, you don't want those necessarily looking really, really high as far as the T4 and the T3 and the TSH levels being really low. There are connections there with, with decreased lifespan. And I can cover those in a future podcast. So both sides are are really negligent in the overprescribing and the underprescribing. And we treat patients, not lab tests. So it's more important about how the patient is feeling than these actual numbers. The other issue is that there's just not enough of an emphasis on the other body systems that are connected to the thyroid. So a lot of times you can normalize thyroid function just by optimizing gut health. So the gut is intimately connected to the thyroid. And so that's an area that needs to be deeply looked at and optimized in order to balance the thyroid. Stress levels, blood sugar, hormones, ferritin levels, which is your iron storage, zinc, diet, are there enough carbohydrates for the individual, sleep, chronic infections. There's so many things that need to be looked at before jumping to thyroid hormone. And these tend to be often overlooked as well from the functional medicine practitioners. So is it worse to put a patient on thyroid medication who doesn't need it? Or is it worse to not put a patient on thyroid medication who does need it? The answer is is both. Both can have their detrimental effects. And so both conventional and functional medicine really needs a thyroid makeover when it comes to thyroid diagnosis and management. So really the big takeaway here is that we can't solely rely on TSH values, but we can use it as a guide for further investigation into Hashimoto's disease. So if it is in that upper range, 2.6 to 2.9, I think we can confidently say that we can test those individuals for Hashimoto's antibodies based on this study because you had, you know, 14% of these individuals fell into that range and uh, ended up having Hashimoto's disease. And the other thing we can say is that if they're in that range, uh, we do want to take a hard look at their cardiovascular risk markers which really intimately tie into thyroid function and hypothyroidism. And finally, as I said earlier, so the majority of the time we can successfully get a patient feeling well without taking thyroid hormone by focusing on all the other systems of the body and getting those in balance. So I linked to this study. It is a free paper if you want to take a look at it yourself. And the other studies, most of those are are free papers as well. Uh, So you can read these if you want. Go to drhedberg.com and search for optimal TSH levels. And this article will come up and I'll have links to these studies. So I hope that was helpful. If you're a practitioner 
or if you're a patient, uh, this should be extremely valuable for you. Take care, everyone. This is Dr. Hedberg, and I will talk to you next time. If you enjoy the Dr. Hedberg Show, you can support it by sharing each episode on your social media channels, like Facebook, and by leaving a review on iTunes. Please visit drhedberg.com. That's D-R-H-E-D-B-E-R-G.com to access the show notes and resources for today's episode.